And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Hello, everybody, and welcome. We are live from the bunker. My name is Jason Hunt. I am the editor here at SciFiForMe.com, where we very well may have three book reviews posted this week. We're trying to get some caught up anyway. Mrs. Boss is working on one. I've got two on the way. We are broadcasting live to Odyssey, Facebook, YouTube, and it looks like the signal's going through everywhere. I don't want to jinx it, but you know how it is. And since we are live, those of you who are with us live can participate in the live chat. If you're not with us live, you can leave a comment. You can send us an email, live from the bunker at sci-fi4me.com. The show is also available on a number of podcast player platforms, so you can find us there as well. iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon, Apple. And give a shout out to various different listeners. We've got people in Germany and France and Spain, New Zealand, Romania, Canada. Good to have all of you with us as well. And... I'm not sure about this one. I'm I'm really not. Because apparently... Apparently Riverdale has become a genre show. Like, full-blown leaning hard into it. Uh, I guess after, after a hiatus, they've come back and... Archie and Betty apparently now have superpowers. Uh, I, I'm... I don't, I don't know that I want to cover Riverdale. But, you know, if it's if it's in the wheelhouse, then, you know, we'll cover. So, I don't know. We're going to look into that. Uh, also, I don't know if you saw the rumor. We might... We might have some information on the next Doctor for Doctor Who. There's rumors swirling around right now that uh, Hugh Grant is in talks for... Uh, for that, uh, he he got offered the part before, and he turned it down, and then he regretted turning it down. So you know there may be something to this. Of course, he's played the Doctor in uh, in a parody for the for the children's fundraiser thing the BBC does every year. So who knows? We'll see. All right, mark your calendars if you haven't already for Wednesday. <coughs> we're going to have quite a day. Wednesday the 23rd is our 13th anniversary here at Sci-Fi For Me. And we're very excited because it's, you know, it's our 13th anniversary. 13 is a lucky number, right? At least that's what I hear. So uh, I will be on various different live streams throughout the day. I haven't got the full day booked out yet, but uh, it's going to start with Coffee and Comics with Don Chen in the 11 o'clock hour. This is all central time, the 11 o'clock hour. So the hour before this show is on, and of course this show at, at noon. And then in the evening, we've got, uh, I'm going to be appearing on the Critical Blast live stream at 7, and then uh, open mic with Peter Semetti at 8, and the Dojo Kun Shill Shack at 9. And I'm hoping to uh, add some other shows to that so we can talk about what we do here as part of our 13th anniversary. We're calling it the Lucky 13 Tour is what I'm going to call it. So be looking for that. Of course, we're on all of the socials. If any of you want to find us over on socials, we are on various different social media platforms. Of course, we got a newsletter I'd like you to sign up for because at some point 
hopefully this week, I'm going to get a newsletter out. There's just a lot of stuff that's going on, and I've got about 12, 12 different hats that I've got to wear, including the new one that I got. Mrs. Boss got this from Nine Line. Shout out to Drunk 3PO. All right. <clears throat> Last week, in case you missed it, or in case you haven't been paying attention because you don't care anymore, that's another thing. Last week, Star Trek Discovery aired their season finale. <laughs> Excuse me, season finale. Oh, Christopher says we need Lucky 13 t-shirts. Do we need Lucky 13 t-shirts, Mrs. Boss? Do you think that would be appropriate? Why not? Maybe, why not? We can see. Yeah. Uh, Keely says, good news is there's a new episode of Superman and Lois tomorrow night. Yes, and, and because of that, we'll be discussing it on Thursday. James will be back over here, and we'll be talking about that. Senior office dog, you probably are going to be hearing him upstairs in the compound. He's wandering around out there, probably barking at a cat. So, Star Trek Discovery airs their season four finale last week. And the internet was all abuzz at the surprise guest star. You can't call it a cameo. There are, there are two different things there. The surprise guest star being gubernatorial candidate for Georgia, Stacey Abrams. And I have some thoughts about this. Maybe not exactly what we're going to be hearing a lot of other different places. But I want to, I want to address this because there's been a lot of chatter about, yes, Queen Slay on the one side, and everybody thinks that it's such a great thing to trigger all of the conservatives and trigger all of the Republicans and trigger all the bigots and the alt-right Nazis. And you've got the people on the other side of the argument saying this is, this is political hackery, this is just more evidence that the show has gone fully woke, and blah, 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 blah. To me, the biggest issue on this is neither of those things. I don't, I don't care about Stacey Abrams in particular with regard to all of this, but it does raise a question that I have not seen discussed anywhere yet. And I think it should be, because... There are broader implications to this outside of just, hey, did you see Stacey Abrams was on Star Trek? Okay, fine. So Deadline has this article, Dominic Patton, who should know more than he displays here. Headline, Star Trek Discovery's Sonequa Martin-Green, an EP on Stacey Abrams' very presidential appearance in season four finale. Okay. I'm not going to go through the total sum, uh, all of this in this article, because this is basically just, you know, it's a, it's a puff piece. But there's something, something that caught my attention a little bit further into it, and they're talking about, you know, Stacey Abrams is such this biggie wow, super fine, popular, great, great and wonderful person. And Sonequa Martin-Green is talking about Stacy gracing us with her presence and all of that. Now, Dominic Patton quotes Sonequa Martin-Green here and then says that Sonequa Martin-Green, <coughs> excuse me, Sonequa Martin-Green is the barrier-breaking actress who portrays the first black female Star Trek captain. This is, this is the quibble I want to get to first before we get into all of the broader thing, because this bugs me. Dominic Patton, if he is the fan he claims he is, should know better. Madge Sinclair would like a word, I believe. Because when you really look at the timeline for Star Trek... 
you have Madge Sinclair playing the captain of the USS Saratoga in Star Trek VI in night not Star Trek VI, Star Trek IV in 1986. Not only that, but Madge Sinclair also played the captain of the USS Hera, I believe, as Geordi LaForge's mother. So not only has Madge Sinclair played the first black female captain in Star Trek, she's done it twice. And then you have, in the first season of Star Trek The Next Generation, you have an episode called Conspiracy. And the episode Conspiracy introduces us to a character, a captain, who is uh, listed, they say, she, she beat Jim Kirk's record as the youngest captain in Starfleet. And this is a woman named Ursuline Bryant, who played Captain Trila Scott, also a black female starship captain. And if you dig further and say, okay, well, let's open it up, not just Starfleet captains, but starship captains in general, you have Cassidy Yates, played by Penny Bell Johnson, over on Deep Space Nine. The idea of a black female captain is not new, Dominic Patton. But it fits the narrative of how we're promoting Star Trek Discovery. How we're promoting Kurtzman Trek. And that takes us into the rest of this discussion because Stacey Abrams being on Star Trek Discovery <coughs> one it's not an accident it's not stunts it's not a glorified cameo I've seen a number of people making comparisons to The Rock showing up on Star Trek Voyager or Kelsey Grammer or B.B. Newworth showing up in Star Trek The Next Generation. Those people are working actors. Dwayne Johnson at the time was a big wrestling star, but he wanted to be an actor. And so The Rock was his wrestling persona, and he tried to pursue an, a career in acting as Dwayne Johnson. Now we all know it's Dwayne The Rock Johnson. He's merged the whole thing. He's like, all right, that's who I am. But at the time, he was trying to break into acting. And the wrestling was on Paramount Network. So let's see him do a little cross-promotion cross whatnot for our, for our wrestling shows. And here's Dwayne Johnson. As an actor whose profession is to act... Same with Kelsey Grammer, same with Beba Newworth, and all of those other people. You have that kind of comparison doesn't hold up because none of those people are politicians. None of those people are public figures outside of the entertainment industry. They started in entertainment. The one comparison that you can credibly justifiably make is King Abdullah II of Jordan appearing on Star Trek Voyager while he was the crown prince but even then it's five seconds he's got no lines and as soon as Neelix walks up to Harry Kim Prince Abdullah walks away that's a cameo it doesn't have anything to do with the narrative of the episode. He's got no lines, no dialogue. He doesn't impact the story at all. He just shows up, he nods at Harry Kim, and he walks away. Michael Okuda has said, well, you know, President Reagan came and visited the set of The Next Generation. Okay, and? Was he on the show? No. 
He's the president of the United States, and he would like to visit the studios of a show that he enjoys watching. He's a friend of a producer. He's a former actor. Why not? Sure, give him a tour. If, if the president of the United States says, hey, I'd like to take a look at your work. I'd like to take a look at your office. I'd like to see behind the scenes. Do you say no? He's the president of the United States. Now, the concern would be coordinating all of that with Secret Service, of course. But it's not the same thing, Michael Okuda. And people talk about, you know, Stephen Hawking being on the show. Stephen Hawking was on the show because Stephen Hawking was a brilliant physicist. And the premise of the scene was Data is playing poker with a lot of famous scientists. Why not put Stephen Hawking in there? Stargate did it with Bill Nye and, and Neil deGrasse Tyson for an episode. Sure, why not? It lends some credibility to the scene, some authenticity to it. Stargate even had the, the, the commanding officer of the Air Force playing himself on an episode. And that probably is one of the ones that's closest compares to this because at the time, Stargate was one of the very few shows that had military personnel portrayed in the show that the military actually endorsed. The U.S. Air Force partnered with Stargate because Stargate presented the United States Air Force in an, authentic, in an authentic and respectful way and said, "This we get the details right. It was important for the show to get it right in terms of presenting the United States Air Force. And... That still isn't exactly like this. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk you through a few things, and, and I wanna give, I'm going to give you some inside baseball here because there are some details that the general public is not going to be aware of because this is, in, this is industry insider stuff. Okay. Uh, yeah, Wolverine. Good point. Fred Dalton Thomas. Uh, uh, excuse me. Fred Dalton Thompson was an actor. Had some had uh, political office. Yes, he he was a senator. But he was a senator. He ran on his he ran on his recognizability. But he was not acting at the time he was serving in office. He separated those two things. And then Patrick Leahy did some cameos in Batman. I don't, I don't know about that one. That's new. I'll have to look that one up. I didn't know about Patrick Leahy being in a Batman movie. I might have missed it. Now, let me, let me, let me start here because Stacey Abrams getting on Star Trek. On the one hand, it's no big deal. You put a name in there; it's a it's a thing. It's it's a thing. It's a it's a. She's got some lines. She has some things to say at the end of the show. Whatever. The implications of this, however, trouble me from an ethical standpoint. Not really so much a political standpoint, but an ethical standpoint. And I'm going to get to that. So she shows up in in season finale of Discovery. Everybody's all buzzing about it. But I look at the timeline. And I mean Gizmodo even talks a little bit about this, but not in the same way. You know, they're talking about the implications of a president played by Stacey Abrams and what kind of earth she's the president of, given the different suggestions and the scenarios and the things that have already been spoken and established in dialogue. So their take even misses the point. Stacey Abrams, big Star Trek fan, 
I, okay, fine. Prince Abdullah, big Star Trek fan. Prince Abdullah was not running for office at the time, however. And that's the crux of all of this. Here's the, you know, here's a, here's an interview, you know, Paramount Plus doing, you know, they're leaning hard into this. Here's Stacey Abrams and she's talking about what is really great to be on Star Trek and all of this. But on her account, she's posting, she says, there's a lot of work to do. Are you ready for that? StaceyAbrams.com. And, and you've got the clip in the interview of her being in Star Trek. Stacey Abrams is an active political candidate right now. That's what makes the difference in all of this. It's not the fact that she's black. It's not the fact that she's a Democrat or a liberal or overweight or she's got a gap between her teeth or she's got funky hair or that she claims that the last gubernatorial race was rigged. It's not anything about that. Whether or not she can act. Whether the costume looked good on her. Yes, Queen Slay, whatever. It's not about that. It's the fact that you now have an active political candidate. Now, she may not have been, when she shot it, political activist, yes. depending on when she actually filed her paperwork to become an official candidate for governor for the November election, she's now an active candidate when the show airs. She's bought airtime as a candidate for governor in the state of Georgia. And there are implications to that. There are ethical implications to that not just not just on her side but all of the different media channels and the different social media spaces where all of this is going to be covered Wolverine says I think it's the first time the Federation or Earth president has been portrayed as human and not an alien no Star Trek 4 the president of Earth was a human. <coughs> so, okay. Let me let me take you through a little inside baseball here and then and then we'll and then we'll take a break. Y'all get digest this. There this is now we are now going into television advertising 101. That's that's going to be the, the 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 thing here. This is my little webinar. I've been in media for 33 years. I started in college radio, but I've also been in television. And the way this works, from a from an advertising sales point of view, uh, you have various different designated market areas. This is what Nielsen calls the the different places. You know, you've got your TV stations and your radio stations and whatnot. And Nielsen has what they call designated market areas, DMAs. And these DMAs are ranked by size, and the DMA is defined in a certain certain geographic location that's covered by a certain number of stations. So you have New York, you have Chicago, you've got Boston, you've got Dallas-Fort Worth, all of the different ones. Atlanta currently right now is the number seven biggest market, media market, DMA, on the Nielsen list. Nielsen, of course, the ratings groups and, and all of this. So the DMA, basically the reason that they do this is if, if I've got a radio station at the frequency 100.1 FM, and over 50 miles away, there's another radio station that's at 100.3 FM. The DMAs are defined as such where you're in that market over there, and I'm in this market over here, and we have to turn our antennas and our transmitters and our keep our power in a certain setting so they don't interfere with each other because they're really close together in the frequency. DMAs mark coverage area. So I've got a 
Kansas City market where we have an ABC affiliate. And then up north, about an hour, there's St. Joseph, which is a different market, and they've got an ABC affiliate. And you got to make sure that your signals don't cross and interfere with each other. Service areas. Say, uh, think, uh, think pizza delivery zones. You know, if you've got an address and you're outside their delivery area, you got to call somebody else or you got to go pick it up. And each of these DMAs and the, and the media rankings that go through, and it, that's how they keep track of which television station is doing well performance-wise and ratings-wise in that DMA. It's a sales tool as well as a measurement tool. The salespeople come in, they take the Nielsen books. Hey, our, our 10 o'clock news was number one this quarter. And they can go out to the clients and they say, hey, our television news was number one this quarter. Give us more money. That's the normal year. And then you have what's called the political window. Anytime there is a campaign of any sort, if you've got an election coming up, whether it's a special election, a local local election, you know, a bond issue or a tax thing or, or a special election or you're running for mayor or governor or whatever, Every time there's an election, there is a period of time prior to the election called the political window. And advertising sales dollars are affected by that political window. Essentially, what it becomes is a feeding frenzy. It is the source of great frustration for a number of smaller advertisers because... It's basically first come, first serve, and it goes to the highest bidder. I'll give you an example. Let's say Mrs. Boss owns a bait and tackle shop. Mrs. Boss decides that she wants to advertise her bait and tackle shop in the 6 p.m. news for a week. 30-second spot to run right before the weather. And it's going to cost her $450 for that 30-second spot. She's going she's gonna to buy five of them. Now, Mr. Harvey comes in, and he's got a bookstore. He also wants to advertise right before the weather, 30-second spot, $450. Now, if there's inventory available, they can both have a spot. They can each have a spot. But in the political window, a politician, a campaign, a political action group, can come in and they can say, we want the spot right before weather and we'll pay $600 for it. Boom, they have the spot. Another political group comes in, they say, you know, the going rate $600, we'll pay $650. And then that spot is theirs. And now all of the prices for the spots around that get affected as well. You still want to be in the 6 p.m. news? Well, the going rate is $650 a spot. So, political advertising affects how much you pay for your commercials, which is one of the reasons why a lot of political action committees and a lot of campaigns love free publicity. You're going to come out, the news is going to cover my speech. I mean, remember how much we heard everybody complaining about how much press Donald Trump got? He didn't have to campaign. He didn't have to pay for advertising. Everybody in the media was giving him all this airtime. And we'll circle back to that here in a second. Because that, that, that matters too in this. Now, in Atlanta... And the Atlanta DMA, which is now the seventh largest television market in the United States, according to Nielsen. Stacey Abrams' campaign has started spending money. They are actively campaigning for her run for governor. The election is this coming November. Which means everything surrounding the money of her campaign is subject to election law, finance law, 
There are certain rules and regulations that are in place because it is an election event. All of this stuff has to be reported. She's kicked off her campaign. This is official. She's actually now actively campaigning for governor in Georgia. And she shows up on Star Trek just as her campaign is kicking off. I don't believe in coincidences, ladies and gentlemen. Now, According to the reports, this was not her idea. Star Trek producers came and approached her, which is fine. That's what you want to do. And some people see it for what it could be. I'm not going to say that it is because I don't have that kind of knowledge. I can assume till the cows come home. That doesn't make it true. But there are a lot of people who, who assume that this was... An endorsement of sorts. Because if you're paying attention, you know when the next governor's election is going to happen. And if you're paying attention, you know that Stacey Abrams is going to run again because she's been talking about it. And I would not be surprised if Michelle Paradise and Alex Kurtzman and all of that group sat there and said, you know what would be cool? You know what would just blow people's minds? If we have a gubernatorial candidate show up in the show, we, should, we could kick off their campaign this way. The thing is, the thing is, and Wolverine, you you kind of you kind of put a put a pin on that. This kind of thing should be illegal. It's just too fishy. Yes, it is a little fishy. And yes, if it was done a certain way with certain motivations, then it is illegal. And I will get into why right after this. You're listening to Sci-Fi for Me Radio. Until you unsubscribe in a sudden but inevitable betrayal. That's a really good question. <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. That's a good question. That's a good question. But that's a really good question. That's a great question. When you need to know, count on Sci-Fi for me to be there asking all of the questions. That's been the question I've been asking myself quite a lot. That's a tough question. This is a rough question. That is a that that is a deep question. Bringing you news and opinion from all over the web. Sci-Fi for me, delivering the multiverse since 2009. Live from the bunker, Monday through Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern, only on Sci-Fi for Me TV. Back live from the bunker, Jason Hunt here along with you. Happy to have all of you here. Don't forget, 13th anniversary coming up on Wednesday, the 23rd of March. So, I I say I say this kind of thing is illegal. At the very least, there is a question of the ethics of the thing, and it could very well be a violation of federal election law and we're going to we're going to take a look at that. I want to I want to go in and talk for just a moment about what's called equal time. This is part of the the Communications Act of 1934 as it's been am amended a number of different times throughout the years. Uh, and yes, Dave, I did get your donation. Thank you very much for that. I really appreciate that. That is that, uh, and it was a very kind note too. So uh, thank you. <coughs> so we've got uh, this thing called equal time, and this is different from the fairness doctrine. The fairness doctrine is no longer in play. It basically says if you're a radio station and you're a TV station, your media outlet, and you have 
somebody with a particular point of view, you have to give the same kind of time to another particular point of view. That's that's not what we're talking about here in terms of political campaigns, especially. But you have uh, as part of the Communications Act what's called equal opportunities. And this is specific to elections where if you give time to a particular candidate as a media outlet, then you are uh, you are required to provide an equal opportunity to the other candidates. Uh, this is section 73.1941, Equal Opportunities. This is the Communications Act <coughs> General Requirements. Except as otherwise indicated in section 73.1944, no station licensee is required to permit the use of its facilities by any legally qualified candidate for public office. But, now this is talking about regular broadcast stations, okay? Streaming services are probably going to have different... It, it's, a, it's a completely different ball of wax, and I don't think that the Communications Act is caught up yet. But, in principle... This, I think, should still apply. <clears throat> but if any licensee shall permit any such candidate to use its facilities, it shall afford equal opportunities to all other candidates for that office to use such facilities. Such licensee shall have no power of censorship over the material broadcast by any such candidate, appearance by a legally qualified candidate on any bona fide newscast, Bonafide news interview, bonafide news documentary, if the appearance of the candidate is incidental to the presentation of the subject or subjects covered by the news documentary, or on-the-spot coverage of bonafide news events, including but not limited to political conventions and activities incidental to thereto, shall not be deemed to be use of broadcasting station. In other words... All of that coverage of Donald Trump at his different rallies and his different speeches and all that other stuff, that doesn't fall under the Equal Opportunities Clause here because the, the, the media outlets are covering a legitimate news event and he happens to be the one who is there. Now, if Donald Trump or Stacey Abrams or whoever comes in and says... I want to buy airtime to present my platform, then the station is required by law to provide the same opportunity to every other candidate who's running against him. That's the law. Now, other candidates might not take them up on it, but they're required to at least present the opportunity. That's one of the reasons why you have all of this stuff with the broadcast window and the advertising sales blowing up the cost of everything. Hey, this this 30-second spot costs $450. Okay, I'll pay $500 for it. Okay, well, now you got to go back to the other guy and say, well, they're going to pay $500. What do you want? And you present these opportunities to everybody that's involved. And they are required to report on this kind of thing in order to maintain their license with the FCC. This is not just, oh, hey, by the way, you ought to do this. No, this is required by law. That political candidates have to have equal opportunity presented to them. Now, again... They might not take it, take them up on it. But how do you provide an equal opportunity when one of your candidates just appeared on a streaming platform that's got what? How many how many subscribers? A million? And it doesn't have a particular DMA. Paramount Plus is available in a number of different countries, so there's additional exposure there that the other candidates for governor of Georgia are not going to get. Not, not only are they not going to get the opportunity, but they probably wouldn't be able to afford some kind of an opportunity like that if they were going to pay for it.
And then you have the other part of this from the Federal Election Commission. And I I will admit, I don't know how this applies at the local level. The state and and the local municipalities probably follow the same kind of rules. But you have what's called an in-kind contribution. Now, sure, I get more than likely. I, you know, I make an assumption that Stacey Abrams was paid. What if she wasn't? What if she was? You know, what if they made a donation to her to her her campaign? Or what if they made a donation to her her political action committee thing, her voter rights group that she founded last year? You have what's called in-kind contributions, and as it's defined here from the Federal Election Commission of the United States of America, an in-kind contribution is a non-monetary contribution. Goods or services offered free or at less than the usual charge result in an in-kind contribution. Similarly, when a person or entity pays for services on the committee's behalf, The payment is an in-kind contribution, an expenditure made by any person or entity in cooperation, consultation, or concert with, or at the request or suggestion of, a candidate's campaign is also considered an in-kind contribution to the candidate. The value of an in-kind contribution, the usual and normal charge, counts against the contribution limit as a gift of money does. So if I come in as a media producer, let's say, because I've made TV commercials and I have made TV commercials for political candidates. But they have paid me for that. I didn't donate my time for that. If I did, then the value of that work would have to be reported as a donation to the politician's campaign. If I, as a citizen, decide that I'm going to spend my money for Jimmy Hoffa's TV campaign, that's an in-kind donation. That's an in-kind contribution. If the campaign doesn't have to pay for it, if I cover the cost of their campaign, that's that's an in-kind contribution the value of which depends on how much gets spent and what kind of results you get out of it. Now, my question, does all of the marketing that Paramount Plus is doing over Stacey Abrams showing up on Discovery, does that count as an in-kind contribution? Does that count as an election contribution, a campaign contribution? And does that get reported? See, this is where it's different from every other cameo that's ever been on Star Trek, or any other show, really. But you go all the way back to, to, to Melvin Belli in the original Star Trek episode and The Children Shall Lead. Well-known, highly connected lawyer in the Los Angeles area. Some producer got a bugaboo and said, hey, Melvin Belli needs to be in this show. Terrible actor. Lousy episode. But he wasn't a political candidate. He wasn't an active political candidate. And that's the crux of the problem here. And I would say the same thing if it were Senator Perdue or if it were Governor Kent or if it were any of the any any active campaigning candidate. I'd say the same thing if it was Herschel Walker. It doesn't need to happen because of the ethical considerations. Because this is going to get a lot of play on social media. Now, it's, it's kind of died down a little bit. But I got an email yesterday from Paramount Plus. Yay, screen, you know, Star Trek Discovery. Here's this thing, you know, they're doing features. They're doing promotional features on Stacey Abrams being on Star Trek. Stacey Abrams is now an active gubernatorial candidate in the state of Georgia. And there are precedents here 
within Star Trek. You don't have to go very far to take a look at this very question has come up before with regard to Star Trek. It was in 1972. The animated Star Trek was getting ready to go on the air in NBC. Star Trek, the original series, was in reruns, was gaining in popularity. And there was an election coming up. Los Angeles City Council and the candidates one of them let me get to it (laughs) one of the candidates Oh, let's see, where is it? I'm trying to find the guy's name. Was it Cunningham? David Cunningham Jr. looks like. It's a special election. The 10th district of the Los Angeles City Council. One of the candidates was George Decay, who played Mr. Sulu. And he played Mr. Sulu not only on the live-action original series, but he was also playing Sulu on the cartoon that was about to launch on Saturday morning television. And during the campaign, during the election window... Episodes in which George Decay appeared in the animated show did not run on the NBC affiliate in Los Angeles because of the Equal Opportunities Clause in the Federal Communications Act. The reason for that is because George Decay's opponent didn't have the resources to appear on television in a cartoon after several years on a very popular television show, the recognizability factor comes into this. And that's what we're talking about here. Aside from the fact that Star Trek Discovery putting Stacey Abrams in there is tantamount to an endorsement of a political campaign. And there are people who have made that point too. But what if it had been Senator Perdue who is running in the Republican primary? What if it had been Governor Kemp? What if it had been Ron DeSantis? What if it had been fill in the blank? Anybody on the right, you know that it would have people screaming from the hills. As a matter of fact, it was. It did. This has happened. Post-January 6th, there was a petition and there was a lot of online chatter to try to get Donald Trump removed from Home Alone 2. You remember this? Because reasons. That movie was made in 1992. Donald Trump was not a political candidate then. He was not holding any elected office then. He was a business person. So all of these whataboutisms and these comparisons to other cameos and other famous people showing up in the show... No comparison here. None of those people were active political candidates. And that's the key issue here for me. You want to put Stacey Abrams in there? That's fine. But you want to put Stacey Abrams, the gubernatorial candidate, in there. That crosses a line. It crosses an ethical line and it possibly crosses a legal line. I will be very interested, and I know we probably won't ever hear about it, but I would like to know if Paramount Global, (coughs) if Secret Hideout, 
if the Stacey Abrams campaign plans to report the in-kind contributions that they're going to get based on the value of all of the marketing and the promotion that they're going to get out of this. That's a very legitimate concern that I have, and it doesn't have anything to do with what Stacey Abrams' politics are. Let me be clear about that. The fact that she's a Democrat, the fact that she's a liberal, that's just icing on the cake for me. I don't care. This is a political endorsement. And the progressive left, the lunatic fringe left, would be screaming their heads off if it were a Republican that showed up in a show. Whatever show it is. I mean, look at how much grief Tim Allen got. Or when Rush Limbaugh appeared on Family Guy. Christopher, you're being a little bit too quick on the, on the, on the hammer there, uh, on the wrench. It's okay. <laughs> I think that there are very, very serious concerns here, very serious issues here that need to be addressed by the Stacey Abrams campaign. And I would not be surprised... I would expect now that <sighs> GOP candidates are not always smart enough to recognize particular opportunities that drop in their lap. This is an opportunity for the Republicans because this is an equal opportunities issue. This is a campaign finance issue. This is a federal, well, not federal, I want to know what the state law is, but somebody in the Purdue campaign especially, I mean, if he's running in the primary against Kemp, somebody needs to be calling up the Secretary of State's election office and say, hey, excuse me, I have a question. Because to me, with my limited understanding of how all of this works, this smacks very heavily of an in-kind contribution because you can bet beyond a shadow of a doubt because we've already seen it. Stacey Abrams herself on her, on her social media has put it out there. She's using this as part of her campaign now. She didn't pay for it. Did she? Cam 138, they need to refer it to the Attorney General of Georgia and investigate it for violation of election law. I agree. At the very least, the question needs to be addressed. Whether it's actually a violation of election law or not. That is something that needs to be done. Heroinberg says, the most simple and obvious comparison, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Pretty sure he was in a whole bunch of movies during his term in office. Discovery simply found that same loophole and exploited it. No, I, I will disagree with you there because as I remember it, and I was around for that, Schwarzenegger did not appear in anything new while he was governor. He did not take on any new acting jobs while he was governor because, at least at the federal level, and Mrs. Boss and I have talked about it because she is a federal employee, elected officials, <clears throat> there are rules regarding outside income. You remember they made a whole big deal about this when Trump was elected office because of his business holdings. I don't know uh, as in terms of, of 
Schwarzenegger being governor of Georgia, uh, of California. I don't know what the rules are in place, but I would imagine that there are probably rules that that restrict an elected official from doing anything else outside for other income. So I don't think, and, and I would have to go back and look at the dates, but I don't recall Arnold Schwarzenegger doing any productions while he was governor. Except, hey, come to California. You know, the tourism board stuff is, as part of, but he's there in his role as governor of California. Come to California. I'm, I'm, I'm using the wrong accent. Come to California. We've got really great stuff in California. Come visit. Spend your money. That's different from a political campaign. And Stacey Abrams is now making her appearance in Star Trek Discovery part of her political campaign. At the very least, it needs to be looked into, <coughs> even if it's just to eliminate the possibility that this is a problem. Somebody in an election office, somebody in the election regulatory agencies need to take a look at this and say, hey, this breaks this rule or this is perfectly fine. There needs to be a determination here because I think this breaks a lot of rules. All right, Wolverine says Arnie had a cameo in the first Expendables movie from 2010, but I think his time in office was coming to an end. It, was he lame duck at that point? What? All right, Mrs. Boss is looking it up. Because <clears throat> we want to be accurate here, in addition to being fair. Harrenberg says, according to Wikipedia, Schwarzenegger appeared in five roles while he was governor. The Rundown, Around the World in 80 Days, The Kid and I, Liberty's Kids, and The Expendables. Okay. No, the expense, he was out of office in the election. Okay. So it wouldn't have come out. All right. Ben, you said Schwarzenegger was in cameos for the rundown in 2003, Around the World in 80 Days, 2004, The Kid and I, 2005. So three of them. Was he playing himself? Was he actively campaigning for re-election as governor? That, see, and that's the crux of it. it you want to make a comparison, that's fine. Other politicians have done cameos and have made appearances in television shows, but were they actively campaigning for an office at the time they showed up in these things? I think you would be hard-pressed to find any other situation like this. This is, this is unprecedented in, in my memory. This? Harrenberg says he played himself in The Kid and I and was re-elected in 2006, at least once. Okay. Again, I don't have any answers here. I don't know. And that's part of the problem. We don't know. Does this violate election law? Does it make any difference that Stacey Abrams was not in Star Trek Discovery as Stacey Abrams? How much of a difference does that make? <laughs> and I know that there are people out there who are going to sit there and say, well, this is about the only time that she's going to get any kind of elected office, you know, elected to office like that anyway. It's all pretend. Fine, make the jokes, haha, ha, whatever. <clears throat> and there are people online who are saying, you know, who are loving the fact that this is triggering everybody on the right. Yeah, that's neither here nor there for me. I don't care. Is this legal? Is it ethical? Cam's right. It may come down to whether or not it's reported as a donation. Dave, that's a good question. Would 
<clears throat> I hit the wrong button. Would location of production out of the U.S. in this case play an issue? I don't think it would. Um, but that's a good question because Paramount Plus is based in the United States. Paramount Global is based in the United States. I don't know where the main office of Secret Hideout is. I would expect it's in Los Angeles, but they may have an office in wherever it is they're shooting up in Canada, Vancouver, I think they're in. <coughs> I don't know if that would make a difference or not. Um, because the campaign is in Georgia. Well, let's flip that. The campaign is in Georgia. How much money outside her district can she accept? What are the ethics of donations that come in from other places outside of where she's going to represent if she gets elected? In this case, outside the state of Georgia. If she gets elected governor outside the state of Georgia, outside the state of Georgia, if any donations come in from there, what are the implications of that? What are the rules? involved in that that in that sense yeah I can see I can see where it could it could be a factor <clears throat> look at Beto Beto O'Rourke almost entirely funded by donations from outside the state I can't speak to that I don't know I don't know where his money is coming from all I know is that Beto O'Rourke doesn't have a prayer in getting elected at all But Stacey Abrams is an active political candidate. And that makes a world of difference in my, in my view. It's not about what she is campaigning on, what her platform is. It doesn't matter what kind of person she is. What matters is whether or not... This is a violation of campaign finance law. Harold Burr thinks, <coughs> excuse me, I think, I think unfortunately Discovery found a loophole. Sure, it's unethical and intentional, but not technically illegal. She was paid to be an actress and played another character, not herself. I, yes, agreed. That is an excellent point. And that's what I'm saying. She's not on Star Trek Discovery as Stacey Abrams. However... All of the marketing which is happening now while she's an active candidate, all of that marketing features Stacey Abrams. And all of that's free publicity for her. Is that going to be counted as an in-kind donation? The world may never know. I, I would be interested to see if anybody really follows up and starts looking into this. I might do it myself. <clears throat> Commit an act of journalism. <sighs> anyway, all right. So that that's my question on it. I like I said, I don't know. This this is this is not something that's happened before. The closest the closest you've got is the Star Trek thing with Takei running for LA City Council. And his his media presence took a hit because he was actively running for, for office. And the other guys sat there and said, hey, this is all stuff. This gets him extra exposure, extra publicity that none of the rest of us have. And the Equal Opportunities Clause kicked in. So... The Republicans in Georgia need to be on this and say, hey, equal opportunity. Where's our cameo in Star Trek? Christopher says, Hillary... <laughs> Excuse me, I cannot get over this cough. Christopher says, Hillary Clinton uh, and her presidential campaign was the focus, including a cameo by her while running in an episode of Broad City. I, I'm not familiar with that. Broad have I heard of Broad City? What was that show? I don't know, I don't know that show either. <clears throat> but it's a good point. But, you know, we're not going to get an answer. At least not now. I'm, 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 I'm feeling like I probably need to follow up on this a little bit. I'll let you know. 
All right, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks very much for all of you being here. If you have a comment that you would like to share, or if you've got a topic that you want to suggest, uh, you can leave it in the notes, or you can send us an email live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com. Send us your feedback. And <laughs> if you would like to support us through social media or uh, donating us, you know, giving us some money our way, like Dave did, that's uh, that's more than more than okay. We've got a newsletter you can sign up for, and we're on four different video platforms. It looks like it looks like we got another subscriber over on Odyssey, so we're now sitting at 153 over there. And just to make it official, YouTube sent us this new achievement badge. Over 2,000 subscribers. We're currently sitting at 2,011. Let's see. Let's refresh this. Let's see where we're at here. Ah, we lost one. 2010. That's the way that goes. Sometimes YouTube scrubs it. Sometimes we say something. It's like, well, you know, hey, you know, you know. Heronberg says Broad City was a comedy series a few years ago. Jewish hipster girls in Brooklyn, politically biased for sure, occasionally funny. <laughs> you know, this is the first time hearing about it. I'll have, I, yeah, yeah, okay. Hey, you know, they make all kinds of shows these days. <coughs> all right. We're going to head out. Mark your calendars. March 23rd, 13th anniversary edition of streams. I'm going to be all over the web on, on most of the day. Uh, we will post all of the links to the various different places while I, where I'll be popping up. Tonight, I think, maybe, we're going to have an H2O podcast. Mr. Harvey had a computer crash, so I don't know for sure. I don't want to commit to it, and then we don't have the, a way of doing it, but... Likely we'll have an H2O podcast tonight. If not, we'll post on socials and, and let you know. So if you have not joined us on socials, we do invite you to do that. If you're not a subscriber yet here, we do invite you to do that as well. Have your notifications turned on so you know when we go live or when we post new video. And we will do this all again tomorrow. I will leave you with this. A Turkish proverb that I ran across over the weekend, apropos of nothing, of course. When a clown moves into a palace, he doesn't become a king. The palace turns into a circus. Remember, there are four lights back tomorrow. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2022 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.